Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Purse First, the podcast about the culture of film rap. I'm Cecily, also known as Bad Fat Black Girl. And I'm Prince Pierre, also known as Baby Daddy. Hey. And y'all, today is such a special episode because before we get into our special guest, I want to tell y'all the story of, you know, how I even know who Pierre is. And that story is probably how a lot of y'all know Pierre. So back in 2007, I was just a broke college girl struggling to find clothes that fit me in Champaign, Illinois at U of I. And back in these days, social media wasn't quite what it was today. So we had just got Facebook for real. We didn't have Instagram. We had Twitter, I think at that time, but even then a lot of people wasn't on it. And so when stuff would go viral, you had a little bit more time to sit with it because you just didn't have as much content to look at. And so one day, um, I don't know how, maybe saw it on Facebook, somebody shared a YouTube, a link of a YouTube video. And this is what the video was. So now what y'all got to know is that, so I'm a rat. So I heard that shit and I was like, oh my God, who is this? <laughs> and I went and obsessed over, the, over all of the videos and I would just watch them all the time. The other thing is that the idea of like contacting somebody that you saw on the internet wasn't as, you know, like you didn't see somebody you liked on the internet and then say, oh, let me go follow them. Let me see what they was doing. It was just like, no, nah, you saw something on the internet and it, it felt more like TV back then. It was just like, oh, okay, that's just, this is dope. I don't know who the fuck these boys is. I could tell that they was from Chicago by the way they were talking, but I was like, oh my God, I love this. I want to do it. I want to hear everything that they doing. But one of those boys was Pierre and together him, you know, Prince uh, P. Weezy, actually, he wasn't even calling himself Prince Charming P. At that time, it was P. Weezy. And T.T. got it. Oh and together, they made the Freaky Boys. And as the years went on, you know, the only thing that I had done to, you know, continue to follow their careers was just subscribe to their YouTube channel. And so I just started to notice, like, they kept making videos. The remember uh, girls, girls, and the girls be gagging. That was another one of my faves. The quality of their videos started to get better, and one day they were on the Breakfast Club, and I was like, "Wait a fucking minute!" And y'all have to understand that like this was a gay rap duo, so I just couldn't like I was like, How, "What the fuck are they doing on the Breakfast Club?" And was on the Breakfast Club being messy too. But we're gonna get to that. So you know that was just it, and then finally, as social media started to blow up more, I like you know, me and Pierre started to follow each other on social media. And we ended up just like following each other. And then by that time, I feel like Pierre was also just known for being funny as hell on Twitter too, on top of being one of the freaky boys. And one day I was in LA for work. I was, you know, doing something at a conference and me and Pierre was able to finally hang out for the first time. And it was just so natural because I think first of all, when Chicago niggas meet in a while, like when we meet outside of Chicago, it'd be like a whole different vibe. We'd be so excited to see each other. So we had the best time in LA and we was just friends ever since then. So that's the story of how 
Pierre and I met. But this story is also important because people really have to understand how important the Freaky Boys are to this moment that we are currently having right now where we have all of these gay rappers and not, I, I don't, I won't try to sit here and pretend like we've made all this progress and like it's, you know, that queer rappers are suddenly, you know, getting all the flowers and stuff that they should be getting because they're not. But the creativity, the bars and the talent and the audacity to also just infuse all of that into real hip hop that also talked about like shit, they sexual experiences as queer people. The Freaky Boys did that first. And I'm sorry, go argue with your mama about that shit. And that's on period. So obviously Pierre co-hosts this show. So Pierre is here. But I am so honored to also have TT here today. <laughs> What's up? Because we are going to hear the official oral history of the Freaky Come Boys on, oral today. It's- today is the day. I am, This is literally the episode that I have been waiting for. This episode is the most important episode <laughs> of the season. Y'all gotta understand that. I am so fucking excited. Hey, y'all. What's going on? Welcome, TT, to our humble, um, what they call it, a bow? Yes, humble. Well, stop trying to say words, you know, Pia. I know, I hate that. I'm like, hey. <laughs> You Googling, you Googling apothecary will forever be a top three moment because I knew that that's what she was doing. TT, welcome to Purse First. Thank you, guys. I feel so honored to be here because, you know, I had to find out through the internet Pierre was starting a podcast with you. And I was like, oh, my God, I wanted to, you know, I'm I'm a cheerleader to all of my friends' endeavors and stuff. So I'll be like, I'll be wanting to be there and, you know, be first. See, and I was finna ask, like, do you really be listening to our show or do you just say you do and just go download it and not listen to it? TT found out the way everyone else found out and he was not happy about and it. And I'm stepping he into ca- some mess. No, but first, listen, Cecily, I fell in love with you through the internet. And when you used to come, I mean, when you were in LA and PA, you used to be like, we're going to hang out with Cecily. I always had something going on. <sighs> That I could never hang out with you. And I always wanted to because we follow each other. And I was like, I have to hang out with this girl because I'm in love with her fucking personality. It's okay. I'm coming (laughs) back. So let's start. Like, let's start at the very beginning with how y'all met. (laughs) Pierre and I uh, met in uh, high school because we both danced for a neighborhood dance group that was like at the park district near both of our high schools. Because our high schools were directly a street across from each other. We were, me and Pierre were being technically trained by Miss Elaine, Miss Elaine McLaurin, and she was a, a really famous dancer for Bernie Mac back in the day, and she was like teaching us ballet, teaching us contemporary, teaching us all styles of dance, but mainly we did hip hop, but she was definitely teaching us everything. What was the name of y'all dancing? Perfect Timing. That's so cute. You know what? And it's so funny, too, because that's also a very Chicago thing. Like, that history of, like, dance groups going to the Bud Billiken Day Parade. Like, that's such a huge part. Uh, Because Chicago has its own music scene that even now people don't really understand. Like, people don't really understand the entire kind of ecosystem of juke, like, juking, juke music, footworking. So that's so crazy that y'all met 
at in a dance group because that's such an outlet for creativity for I feel like black kids in Chicago. For sure. And TT did not like me. He said I was so loud. <laughs> now we get the real story. Like just imagine somebody coming in a room where it's just like we're just doing eight counts and then someone coming in like yes, oh my god, all day and it's like. Yeah, he got a lot of side eyes from me. But I didn't never let him know that I didn't like him until later on. TT would just be looking there with a stank face, and I would give him one back. Like, yeah. girl, if you want any of this smoke, bitch, just tell me. I know that this is exactly how it happened. It was no, like, I don't have a single it, it doubt is. in my mind that this is exactly how it happened. <laughs> so, so y'all met in high school, but y'all went to college together? Yeah. Yes. We both went to the illustrious Southern, Southern Illinois, Illinois University. University. Not the Carbondale. illustrious. <laughs> Is it illustrious? <laughs> so what was college like for y'all? <sighs> college was like life changing for me. It literally, I became myself in college. Like I finally had came out the closet. I'm doing quotes because, you know, whatever. Um, but it was a, like one of the best experiences I ever had. Pia. Uh-huh. I'm, oh! <laughs> college was, uh, if I could do college over, I would not be in a relationship. I was in a relationship the whole five years of college. And yes, five years. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I did six in, in two schools. I did six years, two schools. <laughs> the whole five years I was in college, I was in a relationship. And I just really wish I wasn't. Oh, my God. Because now I'm trying to catch up. College was so fun. Um, me and TT became the freaky boys quickly. I think it was, what was that, like junior year? The beginning of junior, the it, the summer of sophomore year. It was like the like summer that. of sophomore year. Um, And we were, y'all, we were so hungry. Can I tell them you had just got out of jail? Yeah, I mean, you already done said it now. Well. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. You know what, sis? This is purse first. It's crazy because TT's whole jail experience is the reason for the Freaky Boys. And every lyric in it's true. The, the, the Freaky Boys song, the first Freaky Boys song, is true. And it was because of what had just happened that led to TT going to jail. The big brawl and the... Yes. It, if you come up <laughs> in my face and your ass will get checked. Like, all that shit... What? <laughs> <laughs> All of that shit. Y'all say real bitches do real things. <laughs> Got niggas ass swollen, calling now one one scared. <laughs> like that was all. That was all the experience I had. I had literally just got out of jail. Twenty four hours within twenty four hours, we had recorded the Freaky Boys video. Oh my god! So you got it out the mud and was like, you know what? We gotta make some shit shake. He got out of jail. We went to our friend's house. She now she was in Chicago, but we stayed at her apartments because our apartments, you know, we didn't have no food. She had like little noodles and stuff left over, so she was like, y'all can y'all can just stay at my apartment. So me and TT basically stayed at this apartment the whole summer. So once he finally that's why all the shit in the background is pink is in the video. Yeah. Yeah. Because yes. it was her house. Because it was her house. Everything was pink because we just stayed at her house. She had, you know, basic shit like lights, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did we even have a TV? I don't even think we had a TV. We were so broke in college, but her place was like the getaway because she literally had basic essentials, like a TV. Yeah. <laughs> like, we like, let's go to baby house. This bitch got cable, goddammit. But yes. we, get, we get to her house, um, and I'm just like, TT, you know I be freestyling, whatever. You know I be doing poetry and all this other stuff. I'm like, let's go ahead, do this. So I press You play. was doing poetry? Yeah, yeah I was a poet before people I was a poet before I was a rapper. Really? I was a award winning yeah. So you was doing like spoken yeah, word and shit at, the, at the I school. I am a award winning poet, baby. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I was doing poetry before I started doing rapping, and people knew me for poetry. Um, so you was the JT at the group, and you was like, come on, Carisha, come do this with me. Basically. It, it's crazy because I press, I press play. I just used to have instrumentals on my computer, just on some Issa Rae shit in the mirror, just talking about <laughs> how my pussy broke, you know, all that other shit. <laughs> so TT get out of jail, and he's so excited, and I just... Press play on the instrumental and this Gucci man instrumental to Freaky Girl. <laughs> and we just around the motherfucking house just yelling out the craziest shit. He talking about who he just beat up and went to jail. I'll talk to him because some boy was beefing with me, even though it's one of TT friends. Oh. He was beefing with me at the time. And I'm like, I wish that bitch would pull up. I'm saying all crazy shit like, run up in my face if you want to, bitch. You know, like crazy shit. <laughs> so I'm like... Oh, no, I think it was TT like, bitch, let's record this. Mm-hmm. Just for our friends on Facebook. So we get this boy. Right. We get this boy to record. And he was supposed to be the third Freaky Boy. But he he had a... Uh, Freaky Boys was going to have three people in it. Now y'all was going to be like the twerk team. The original. Y'all remember <laughs> yeah. the twerk team? Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he had a speech at... He had a speech impediment, so he was he wasn't that confident <laughs> with being on. The- his ass was in there like Spider Man. He, was- he had a light in his feet. He had a damn. He had the phone recording. He had like just doing all of the shit. Had my lyrics up because okay, so it took us like <laughs> ninety nine times to record just my <laughs> <laughs> because I was horrible and we never could make it to Pierre so when we was done with mine everybody was so shocked but Pierre had came that's why if you notice Pierre was laughing when he started his and he thought and he did like that because they were so and happy he, to get and, past and my and he's work. pointing to himself before he even starts yeah. and now this makes sense because it's like your ass is like it's finally gonna be my turn <laughs> <laughs> I was like finally we never did a take with my turn and we yeah. recorded the video. The third person wasn't in it. He wasn't confident with his speech impediment. He was stuttering and stuff. Um, and we posted on Facebook. We just posted on Facebook. The next day, you know, everybody like, now y'all wild as hell for that video. Everybody laughing. Everybody laughing. It's just a kiki. Child, we go to sleep that day. Keep in mind, <laughs> Cecily, you follow TT now. He is not on social media like I'm on social media. Like, he come right, on right. when he feel like it. Right. I'm knocking on his door like, TT, media takeout. He like, what? <laughs> what? I'm like, TT, look at our followers. It's like a thousand people following us. He like, what? I'm telling him all this stuff because I'm a social media head. He don't give a fuck about none of this. He like, what is you talking right. about? Mitch's like, in shambles. I'm in there like, bitch, I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, TT, we are on media takeout. We are on media takeout. <laughs> 
Child. <laughs> because also at the time, like that, what the idea of an influencer did not exist yet. So, no. t- so TT was probably just like, okay, a lot of people saw the video. So, <laughs> right. That's like, exactly how I felt. Until, <laughs> until we got our asses on that bus to go to class, baby, we got on that campus. It was people on the bus like, oh my God. Like, it was wild. What happened on the bus? We got on the campus and everybody were like. Everybody just knew who we was. And everybody was just like acting like we was like, not to relate ourselves to her, but Beyonce. Like, literally going to <laughs> class, people is like staring at you. Like, that's the, you can see all the people like, that's them right there. People walking up to you like, oh my God, I saw the video. You was, uh, uh, like, it was just a complete 360 from yesterday going to Going to class. And it happened in a day. A day. We were in the library. It was me and TT on the computers. And we see a flash go off. You know how uh, a girl was trying to sneak a picture and didn't know her flash was on. So we turned around and she was like fumbling her camera like, oh, shit. We like, <laughs> oh, my God. people. Girl, they unplugged all of the computers in the row because she got caught trying to take a picture of us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and you know phones back then was ignorant, too. It wasn't no type of subtlety or nothing. Oh, my God. I would, be in class, I would be in class, and someone would, like, write me on Twitter, like, loved your video. I'm sitting down three seats from you. That's weird as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then people start doing presentations on us. Like, I got an A in class. Oh, yes. I did a presentation on the Freaky Boys. It was so, it just went crazy overnight. Um, and they were like, okay, y'all have to do more music. So we literally, that's when the girls be gagging came about. And that's when the sh- girls, girls, and the girls be gagging. That's what, that's when you that's one of my favorite. We just started doing a whole bunch of stuff. And then we started being where the money reside. Like people started booking <laughs> us for performances. And keep in mind, me and TT are already dancers. Yeah. We're already on a dance team in college still. So we got this. All we got to do is rap. <laughs> right. Y'all already knew how to put on a show. Exactly. We already knew how and- to put on a show. And that's when I was like, we're rappers. We are rappers. Like, our shows... You got to come to a Freaky Boy show because fuck the videos. People <laughs> love the videos. People love the raps. You come to a Freaky Boy show. You're you going like, to have the time of your life. The fact that y'all are really the city girls is really sending me the jail. The jail. The one person having to carry the group. Yeah. The one person that's already a rapper that's like, okay, friend, just come do this with me. I promise it's going to be better with more than one person. Like, this is crazy. And people always say that. People always post our videos and say, this is the city girls before. They always say the freaky boys was the city girls before the city girls. And, like, y'all really do not understand how true that is. So right after the NIU show, um, I think we got an email telling us um, because we had a performance in New York. So I told our manager to shoot out emails to like all the radio stations. Just send them out. Let them know we'll be in New York. Because at this time, I'm studying music and seeing how people do shit. So I'm like, okay, I see when people do a show in New York, they also do press in New York. And they go to all the New York places and all this other stuff. So I'm like, okay, that's what we got to do. Like, me and TT studied the craft so bad Mm -hmm. that we knew eventually, like, we were going to be part of mainstream history. Because it wasn't just a... It no longer was a thing where we were just doing music. We wanted to be a part of the number. 
So, we're like, we're doing a show in New York. Let's use that. It's a big show in New York. We had two shows. Yeah, yep, two shows. Let's, let's, let's use that. Our manager reached out to all types of people, all types of shit. We get an email back from Q at 10... What is it? 106.5 Breakfast Club saying, okay, the boys booked for Friday. I said, I... Y'all literally oh, called... Y'all, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Because I just want to make sure I got this right. Y'all literally cold emailed the Breakfast Club and Logo TV and got books. Yes. And they was on the same day. So when we left from doing the Breakfast Club, we had to go to Times Square to some big ass building MTV, and record for Logo. MTV. Cause Logo the Viacom, Viacom, the Viacom, yeah, Viacom building. Viacom. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where we did an interview for Logo. I felt like a bad bitch baby. <laughs> oh no. That's when it sunk in for me. That's when it sunk in for me. <laughs> What did that feel like? Also, let's talk to about like what how was our families reacting to all of this that was going on? Oh, so God. Chicago, they want our family was especially TT family. Oh yeah. They don't like people talking about <laughs> us. They do yeah. not so everybody like- was trying to fight everybody who made comments about us online. They our our family has always been our number one support system since forever. With our music, they always liked our music from the beginning. They didn't probably listen to it, but they like these my these my family members up and listen to their stuff. So they were trying to fight everybody in the comments, <laughs> and we used to have to call them like, "Please stop trying to fight these people." Like, like mom, why talk. are you on Facebook arguing with with other people because they said something about your sons? Let it go. <laughs> we would right. see our that's, mamas that's in comments, baby. We would see our mamas in comments, our cousins, especially all of our best friends. My grandma, y'all got my cousin fucked up. Don't say nothing about him, bitch. He getting money. Fuck is you talking about? Like, I'm like, y'all got to stop. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, yeah, that's press, 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 press. <laughs> Freaky boys don't need no press. And what's that? No, that wasn't our first time in New York. But we get to New York. As soon as we land, we, we, we go to the hotel for like an hour. We have to be up at the Breakfast Club. A lot of people don't know the Breakfast Club is filming at 6 a.m. every day. Yeah, and yeah, mm. it's, it's early. And Chicago, what time is that in Chicago? I don't know, five, four? That's five. Five? Yeah. It is so early. And if you watch any of the Breakfast Club interview, you no matter who the celebrity is, you will see that they just woke up. No matter who it was. <laughs> yep. You will see bitches. That's why they always be in sunglasses yeah. and shit. You will, like, no yeah, makeup, very... they drinking coffee, breath stinking, because the Breakfast Club is at 6 a.m., which means call time was at 5.30 or something like that. Yeah. So we are there. Our face having, um, we have we don't have the noon phase. You know, your face don't come in until around 12 or something. <laughs> so we still got that early phase. And the first thing Charlemagne say, say is, heard y'all can really spit or swallow. <laughs> and I'm like, nigga, heard you can really spit or swallow too. That's what the fuck you should have said. <laughs> the fuck? Look, that aged uh, very well. But yes, it was early in the morning. See, Charlemagne <laughs> fucking with us. And they asking us all types of crazy, crazy, crazy questions. And, and y'all wasn't holding nothing back. When Pierre said he thought Diddy was gay, I was like, Oop. I was so mad. <laughs> I, I, <Oop. laughs> I was. Uh, Listeners, I was also 21, y'all. I will not say that to this day. <laughs> yeah, me and Pia wasn't media trained. We literally was just Chicago-ass niggas that was, just went to a radio station to have a conversation, and we were just saying whatever came to our mind. Like, I was 
actually finna curse Charlemagne out because he kept on saying to me like, TT, stop looking at me like that. I do not want you. And I kept on saying, boy, I don't want you either. TT kept saying, I don't want you neither. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. So, so all of this is happening. Also, remind folks around what year this was when y'all did the Breakfast Club interview. This was 2011, 12. It's 11 or 12 ish. It may mm-hmm. be 12. Mm-hmm. And so y'all, y'all do this big, y'all do these, this big couple of interviews. And then it's like, did y'all ever have a moment where it's like, well, shit, what do we do next? Because at the end of the day, y'all not music executives. Y'all not, y'all are just two college niggas from Chicago. So it's like, how did y'all figure out how to pivot and what to do next? Oh my God. So, okay. So after the Breakfast Club interview, a lot of opportunities opened up. Um, lo- including lawsuits, all types of stuff. Um, <laughs> lawsuit? Wait, TT, TT, tell me about the lawsuits. Who was trying to sue y'all? Uh, we can't talk about that right now. But I'll tell you <laughs> how we tried to pivot from that. So once we did that, and we were like the first openly gay rappers to do stuff like that, and coming from where we come from, that was like big and huge. But me and Pierre, how we think, we like, we need to do something else bigger. So we had our manager start emailing record labels because we felt like that was the next step to, like, do it. Right. And so he's emailing these record labels. Mind you, we had already been getting emails from record labels that wanted to, like, see us, send them music, stuff like that. Put us on the shelf. But it was, like, all scams. Mm-hmm. It was all scams. You should have heard, like, the, the... Like, they were trying to make deals with us over the phone without meeting us, saying, like, this is what we'll give you for this. And then for that, blah, blah, blah. And we like, mm, we ain't going to do all that. Because I went to school for business, for one. And I'm like, no, this is not going to happen. And then our manager, he was pretty cool with... He was a little... You know, he knew money. <laughs> he was a scammer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hence the lawsuit. But, um... Uh, so, we had... Uh, <laughs> We had got an email from someone who worked at uh, Island Def Jam. Was it Island, Island Def Jam? Island Def Jam. Island Def Jam. And we were like super excited. It was around Christmas time. We was at a Christmas party. He was like, can I have y'all number? He called We at the party. We having a whole conversation. He was like, yes, I'm finna sing y'all over this music. I want y'all to like come visit in Atlanta and stuff like that. And we like, okay. Like, we so excited. Like, he was like, I played it for everybody. Because we re- he sent us some music. We recorded it. And then we sent it back. We, uh, he was like, I played it for all the executives. They love y'all. They want to do an album with y'all. All of this other stuff. Boom. That happened. New Year's happened. He like, I was talking to y'all about after the holidays. New Year's happened after that. He called us back like, yeah, I was fired. <laughs> what? <laughs> so the A&R that wanted us to sign to Island Def Jam gets fired. Now, keep in mind... The, at the time of him reaching out, the Freaky Boys had no original music. So he sent us some beats that were not cleared. Mm-hmm. But he sent it to us to make original music so that he can give to the record executives so that they can see that we actually have the ability to make original music. Right. Now, we make this original music to these beats that are not cleared. He ends up getting let. We didn't know this at the time. Yeah, we, we didn't knew, know this at the we time. Knew none of, we know, knew nothing about bit music business. Music business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Music business. 
Um, and there, if you listen to some of our songs, you will see that they are like produced by some very big people. Big people. Yes. Muzzin on a beat hole. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they weren't cleared. So our manager was like, okay, the guy got fired. We are, we have these three songs that the executives love. Let's shoot music videos for them and let's show the world these songs. And me and TT like, okay, bitch, because it's hot. Bet. And, Bet. and we put out the song. It instantly was a hit. It, it, it blew <laughs> up because this is our first real song. Well, and tell the, tell the people what the single was. Bounce. Yep. And Bounce comes on with Muzzin' on a beat hole. So everybody like, how the fuck these niggas are <laughs> on and popping? Like, what? <laughs> um, and then the fired a reached out to us and said, okay, I have all these emails about going to court. And I'm and now I'm big on Twitter, so I see DJ Mustard actually having a conversation about the song. Mm-hmm. And I reach out to him like, yo, and I basically DM him and tell him the whole story, like how, because he, he basically, I don't know if he called us the F words or something, but he basically said, how do these niggas get my beat? He was being homophobic. It was, had some homophobic undertones. I can't remember. It was so long. I can't remember. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I felt like at that time it was. But I know somebody somebody reached out to him like on there like, look at this shit here, Muster. You produced mm-hmm. this. And he was like, right. what mm-hmm. the fuck? That's what it was. That's what it was. The person who wrote him in the tweet, they were being homophobic, but he replied like, how the fuck did this happen? Yeah. So it was kind of mm-hmm. like he was agreeing. So I reached mm-hmm. out to him like, okay, how much the beat cost? Let's settle this. Like, let's not like do any of your things. And mm-hmm. then the A&R um, end up reaching out to us and saying, like, um, they they want to pursue um, a lawsuit, but they probably don't. Um, let's just see what we can do to rectify the situation. And I don't know what happened, but they they left us alone probably till they hear it purse first. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this is Tito. So that's, but, this, but that's also crazy because... I do think that that's a conversation to be had about how even even just creatively how difficult it is to navigate hip hop as queer people. I interviewed McConan actually a couple about a year and a half ago. Um and me and him talked a lot about that and we talked about how when he came out all of a sudden niggas switched up on him because they just didn't even want to be in the in the circle or in the arena of it and i and i feel like things are very first of all hip hop is literally the last like there's no accountability in hip hop for misogyny oh, people no. still getting people still getting away with abuse and they they parts like intimate partner violence sexual assault like there's drugging just, people and, and yeah and, like know. drugging people there's just no there's just a lack of accountability around that and i think the same can be said around homophobia as well but i do think that at the same time there's also this shift in conversation like i remember y'all remember when um it was amigos lyric where i think offset said something about like we don't fuck with queers or something like that yes and you know the 
the queer community was like, bitch, what? And, you know, they released a statement. Like, we support the LG, essentially, like, we support the LGBTQ community. We ain't trying to, you know. And and even that, to me, I was like, damn, I never thought that I would see today where, uh, like, some rap niggas were apologizing to a, defending yeah. themselves or, or, or yeah. making a stance, making a stance against homophobia. You know what I'm saying? In that very public way. So, I do think this story is important because like, you know, like you said, we not going to put no words in DJ mustard mouth. Right. Right. But I imagine that there was a lot for him to think about in terms of who y'all were. Yeah. Who had this beat and what that meant and how people would interpret that for him. When in actuality, if I was DJ Mustard, I'd have would have been like, I'm at the forefront of history right now. Yeah. These two niggas, these, these, the first the first gay niggas to really pop off, they did that shit on my beat. I was out here like, because motherfuckers don't be really thinking forward, forward like that. Because what's happening right now was like a lot of the gay niggas that y'all used to say wasn't shit and would try to distance y'all from is y'all bosses now. Yeah. yeah. And motherfuckers don't be liking to talk about shit like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyways, <laughs> so y'all got yourselves into some trouble because y'all blew up too fast. What happened next? <laughs> um, basically, they left us alone and we just basically was just, we moved to LA and we mm-hmm. be, we literally just sat on like this throne as the Freaky Boys and we just lived off our names for like, we kept doing music, we kept doing interviews. We became international superstars. Oh yeah, we went. And they they flew us out the country, and we performed. Oh up. yeah. <laughs> what was y'all first international show at? South Korea. In South Korea. Oh, they flew y'all all the way out, bitch. <laughs> they flew. Oh, oh, and it was it was a whole big thing. They flew us to South Korea. Terrence and I did not have passports. <laughs> I'm telling you, Cecily, us we literally became an overnight sensation. You cannot take this is two. So ghetto. You cannot take two. This is so ghetto. Two hood niggas. <laughs> so how they get y'all to South Korea with no passports? Child, me and Pia was at the the place down in down like I forgot what street is. I think it's in Carson. We was in Carson at the passport place with our flight itinerary. And telling them we need one in less than 24 hours. And voila. <laughs> but the amount of money they were offering. It was no way that we could turn it down. We was going to get there. <laughs> yeah. I was going to swim across the Red Sea, bitch. We, so we went to the passport agency. And they got it to us right before our flight was leaving. So we missed the first flight. We had to call these people and be like... Yeah, mind you, they paid to book the flights and all of that. We like they yeah. pay all this stuff. Yes, we like okay, so we missed our flight because we was at the because we was letting them know like that's something that me and Pierre are good at communication. Mm-hmm. So we was letting them know like yeah, we didn't have passports. We went to go get passports. They was like that's fine. We was like we should have them today. We can make the flight. Blah blah blah. They like that's fine. Boom, we call back like missed the flight because they just gave us our passport. They like. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, we're going to call you back. We're going to call you back. They call back in like 10 minutes. Like, you're on the next flight at 5 p.m., blah, blah, blah. And so we ended up boarding the flight and we made it to South Korea the next day. We get off the plane in South Korea and Cecily, not to compare to Beyonce again, (laughs) but once again, I kept whispering to PTT, like, there's no way these people know who we are. 
I felt like we was on an episode of Taken, like the the movie Taken, like they, you know, it felt like some shit like that. These people are screaming and flashing cameras everywhere, Cecily. And I'm like, there's no way. Singing all of the lyrics to our unreleased, not unreleased, but to our mixtape that was like, not, we didn't even make videos to none of our mixtape songs, but we had put out a mixtape um, right. around that time. And they had knew all of the songs, like everything. And this is for the, you know, Absolute Vodka? Mm-hmm. You remember they became, they first became the 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 face of like gay people. Yes. This was the lunch of that. We were the headliners for the lunch of absolute vodka. And it was the bottle with the flag on there. If you go to any bar that's open, you see the absolute bottle with, with the, the gay flag with on the there. rainbow absolute bottle. We were right. the headliners. Yes. That's the this was the launch for that. Right. So y'all was like the face of that launch yeah. of like their their yes. queer takeover. Yes. For that Let me talk of my bitches is historic, yeah. okay? They my bitches bill, is historic. They had billboard they had billboards around the city with our like faces on there for the, the Western. What? It was a big thing. It was a very big thing. And I'm like, oh my God, like these people don't even know English. How are y'all seeing this stuff? And Oh, them motherfuckers knew they English. They were so prepared for the freaky boys. And yeah, they had us a personal assistant when we first got off the plane, right? So we, she took us shopping and stuff. She was like, "You want this?" Like she's like, "We'll charge it to the co- the company car." Like she's just like taking us everywhere that we wanted to go. I'm up there. I'm like, I want to try some uh, Korean cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing all of the crazy shit that I would do, like that I see in movies, and I'm just like asking her like, "How much is this cost?" She like took us to the business part of the city, and she's like, and like. It was amazing. I, I really enjoyed that trip. And y'all have to understand, these is just some ghetto Chicago- ass niggas from the west from side. From the west side of Chicago. In fucking South Korea. <laughs> I would have loved to been a motherfucking fly on the wall, bitch. All this time, we literally still are just some Chicago ass hood rat niggas. And I'm like, all of this is happening to us. Like, there's no way we can tell this to people. Like, how do we tell people that this shit happened? Like, we are literally just some Chicago ass niggas. So tell, so let's come, let's get a little bit current. Okay. Um, because I want to talk about two more things. One, I want to talk about the creative process for a lot of y'all visuals because also y'all visuals are so fucking good. Like to recreate Friday for Jockinum was like just so brilliant. Y'all nailed that shit. Like how, like what is that creative process now, now that y'all have been working together for a while and now that y'all live in a place where y'all have access to just more creatives, more opportunities, what does that Let me, Okay, so first I want to say TT, in college, TT study business. I study TV. That has been the recipe for our success. Can't nobody come to us with bullshit because TT knows everything about business. And when it comes to our visuals, people like, y'all visuals are so, I literally do, do this for a living. Our visuals, there's no way our visuals are going to suck. So I hate when people come to us like, let me be your videographer. I know all about TV. I know all about videos. I know all about recording. So our, so those two things, that's why the Freaky Boys always went up because our visuals and our, biz, the, our business side. So that's one thing. Also, our biggest downfall is the Freaky Boys are so huge perfectionist huge when it was we would throw away something that we shot or recorded and like don't care about it because we if we don't feel like it's perfect or like up to par to like 
be as what we see in our head, it's like you'll never see it or hear it. It was all fun and games when we were sitting on beds rapping to a little iPhone 3 <laughs> and putting it on YouTube and getting millions and millions of views. But then it came a point where people actually looked up to us and wanted to see the quality and wanted to and and you know we became this brand and the freaky boys was a name that people lifted up like okay like they're the kings they're the pioneers and that became so hard to the point where we were recording music and not putting it out or we have videos that we don't put it out because everything has to get better Nothing can, we can't release a song right now and it's just like the same as what happened when we, we released a song in 2009. We can't release a mm. video right now that's worse than a video that we released in 2011. So it became a challenge and we, we became our, our biggest enemies, basically our biggest competition <laughs> because we have to be better. We have to be better than the peop the gay rappers out now because they're following in our footsteps. Like they are the freaky boys are the reason they are here. So if we put out a song now, it has to be better than everybody else's. Um First so of all, that why am I became... sitting here getting emotional? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. I feel it's that the though. I it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. Like And I feel like it's it's two things that's happening because it's one it's like y'all really got this shit out the mud first of all and it I think it upsets me because there's so many people out here that's mediocre yeah. and and I will because like the first thing I kept saying is like nah just put it out just put it out like just mm -mm. put it that's the and and, and there is in in some ways that is true because like you do have to just put it out because that's also how you keep get you the keep creative it yeah. feedback loop mm -hmm. too you keep it fresh too because you putting stuff out and even if it's not the uh you are you get a certain feedback that might inspire the next project that helps you grow in that way and I do think that even some of the even some of the greatest people out will tell you that they have shit out that before they put it out, they didn't necessarily, they, they didn't think about it that way and probably still don't think about it that way, but it set the stage for something else. But I also just think that like that pressure, this, I'm just literally sitting here thinking about this whole episode. And this is really like, y'all are really a very, very monumental part of not only what it means to just be black and gay, but such an integral conversation around what it means to be artists in this age. And because really, when y'all think about it, remember when Soldier Boy went his ass up on the breakfast club and had to go off about how he married the internet mm -hmm. and hip hop. Yeah. Like y'all was a part of that class mm -hmm. of people. Y'all's yeah. entire success. So it's actually funny because ironically, it's like, it's a comeback thing because now y'all can actually yes. release music that does the same shit it did. And because now all people want is songs that they can do TikTok videos to yes. and post on their social media and do all of that shit. Like y'all had that for like that is how people knew y'all. People was circulating y'all videos amongst their friends and amongst their, and that's literally how we get new music these days. Like. Artists de artists do not debut their music videos <laughs> on MTV or BET no more. They put that shit on YouTube, yeah, which is where y'all started. And so it to me is just like I don't know, like this just feels so important and it feels so historic. And that's why I really wanted to do this episode 
because people really need to understand this personal story also to understand how the industry is working and to understand the kind of platform that exists now not only just for gay rappers or women rappers or whoever but also like how the stage has been set like in the music industry just in general and like that people cannot deny that so what's next when y'all gonna stop standing in y'all own way and get the people what they want (laughs) myself included so we had a conversation about making new music and not standing in our own way but we also had the conversation about how that we need to do it the right way in order for it to be successful because it's not a game for us we have to like and we pay real money for our stuff so we want a return on investment. <laughs> exactly. So our album is done. We have 11 songs on be on our album. Um, we might do a deluxe one as well. Period. Like put, said, some, we put some so of the lost many... tapes on there. Do a B-Sides, bitch. Yeah, but we set a date yeah. recently. I ain't going to tell y'all the exact date. I'm just going to say summer 2021. This Is this an exclusive that we getting on first It first? is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so excited. And it's crazy. Be- you also it was crazy. Bitch, you is- gotta make a deluxe song. You gotta put a deluxe song on the album where you say something about Purse first on that too, so we can get some free promo, bitch. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> bitch, purse, you gotta work for this purse, family. Purse. You gotta work for this family, bitch. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So TT, yeah, um, we cannot let you leave here without an ass last. <laughs> Oh my God! I was. I don't know if you know part. what that is. I do know, and I'm 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 nervous. <laughs> so we have a scenario from um a young lady named Didi, and Didi says, <clears throat> "My best friend just recently started dating a new guy. However, a few months before they got together." He tried to talk to me. I never gave him any play and never thought anything of it, And sh- but she knew about it. And now they're dating and she seems to really like him. Nothing has happened yet, but I'm worried that she's going to eventually feel some type of way about the fact that she knows her guy is attracted <laughs> to me. And to be honest, I'm not super comfortable hanging out with them all the time just because I never want to cross any boundaries in their relationship. How should I handle this situation moving forward? I don't want to seem like I'm hating on my girl or cock blocking, but this is an uncomfortable situation for me. <sighs> Didi. Okay, so it's two things that's happening here, right? She don't want to mm-hmm. be uncomfortable around her friend in the relationship, and she also is insecure about the fact that her friend is going to feel some way about her. If her I don't think that your friend Didi is um, going to feel some type of way about you because she got him. Like that's her prize. You have nothing to do with that. But I, also, I just want to clarify. I think that Didi is saying that she's going to be uncomfortable being around him because y'all uh. know niggas be slime balls. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, like niggas be slime good. balls. I like, oh, um, this is tough. See, because when you read it, it sounded like she was saying that she think that the friend was going to be upset or feel some type of way because she dated him. I mean, I mean that he tried to talk to her, so she ain't going to want to Well, no, she said the friend knew. She said the friend knew that he tried to talk to her, but I guess the friend thought it was okay to date him because she like, yeah, he tried to talk to you, but you ain't want to talk to him, so it was Exactly, easy. which I think is totally okay. Remember which is fine. just happened when we was at the party? Yes. 
Man, I tweeted about this before. Yeah, because it's like, that's all well and good until now you got feelings for this nigga and now it's your boo. What it sounds like now... to me is that Dee Dee probably has feelings for the guy that she sees as her friend and the guy are in a relationship. She f- kind of feels jaded and it's like, you are, you're not a good friend for that, Dee Dee. So you need to not <laughs> be like that. But you can have the conversation with your friend and let her know, like, it makes me uncomfortable. But we need to figure out what is, why is this making you uncomfortable? That's, that's the big thing. Why is this uncomfortable for you when you didn't give this guy no play? You didn't try to talk to him. But now that your friend got him, it's an uncomfortable situation. Yeah, maybe, yeah, I think maybe we might need some more details because it sounds to me like it's more so about the guy, not really about her friend. Yes. Like it's, it yes. seems to me like Didi don't want to be put in a position and did Didi where like that him? nigga still... Uh, no, no, but I think that, but I think that Didi I get is what you're worried. saying, Cecily. I get what I you're saying. I think Didi is worried that that nigga might still be trying to slick shoot his shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, what if they all yeah, go out to a bar and they drunk? It. He already proved that he, already, he, yeah, she, he'll jump around to friends because he tried to talk to me. Now yeah. he in your face. So I'm uncomfortable. But what if he didn't know that they were friends? He knew they were friends. He no, knew. the girl knew that he talked, her friend knew that she he tried to talk to her. But she never specified whether he knew that they were friends. Niggas know they friends. I think he knew. When they try to talk to I us. I think he knew that they was friends. Yeah, I think okay. he knew that they, they was friends. They be knowing. Because also what you got to know is if if the friend knew that, if if Diddy's friend knew that he tried to talk to Diddy, Diddy, because what you when your friend tell you somebody trying to talk to you, you curbing them with the first thing you ask, what he look like? Let me see. Let me show you his yeah, page. Yeah. Let me show you what he said. Yeah, that's true. Diddy. Talk to your friend, girl. I understand why you uncomfortable. This is why I tell people I don't want nobody my friend even looked at because when I don't want, I don't, I don't, I don't want it. It's too many niggas out here. It's too many niggas. Period. It is. And I, maybe your friend was a little bit eager and thirsty. Maybe she ain't had no attention down there in years. So now she done um, got cuffed by a nigga that tried to talk to you. But that is very uncomfortable. Um, sometimes people are very selfish and they think in like, because here's the thing, maybe Didi Dee Dee didn't talk to him because he, he gave predator vibes or you don't know why yeah. Didi Dee Dee curved him. Like it, it's not always, yeah, a, I, yeah. it's not always, a, I think I'm a, the friend, I'm looking at the friend shady. Yeah. Cause like, why is this your nigga now? Like, why is this your whole, like, why would you put bitch, me in this situation? Like that, Cecily, niggas and bitches they are do. like that. Some people yeah. only want a nigga because he wanted your friend. Your friend. Yes. So I, I got a point to prove. Yes. I, I got the nigga that, that wanted you. He may have thought he wanted you. He want me, bitch. I know some girls that are like Yeah, why you so close to the camera? Because I... This, oh, what? My this, is tri- <laughs> this is triggering. This is triggering. <laughs> I think that Dee Dee should have the conversation with her friend as well. And... Because it seemed like she got some built-up hostility towards her friend for actually even getting with the guy. And it's not even going to so work. So she needs to... I, yeah, and I think... I, I'm going to be honest, Didi. What I'm going to say to you is I, I do think that this is... I actually don't think you should talk to your friend. Or no? I, no, no. Because at the end of the day... I, first of all, I think this nigga is trash, and I think that your friend is going to see that he trash. You can't put it the all time on because we don't know if they knew each other. The time, the time is gonna come. They go, where they gonna break up. Your friend is gonna find out that that nigga is trash, and when that when that ship go down, you don't want to be nowhere near it. 
No. If you want to maintain your happen. friendship with your friend, you don't need to be nowhere near that. So you don't need to have no conversations with her about her nigga. You actually need to just politely keep your distance. Whenever she hanging with him, you don't want to come around unless you got a nigga with you. You know what I'm saying? Whenever y'all, you you keep your, that's a relationship that you need to just stay out of unless it's a group setting or like ain't no, ain't no y'all just kicking it. Create as much distance as you can between your friend and that man if this friendship means something to you. Because if not, when that ship goes down, you do not want to be anywhere near it. And then that's going to be a bigger issue between you and your friend. And it don't need to be that. And and let and let me just say this on purse first. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for writing in, Didi. I'm so glad you brought this up. I want people to understand because this has happened to me. I want people to understand that we have just as well as we can communicate with people who are part of our present and future. We also are linked to people that are part of our past. And I want to say that because a lot of people, I have a friend that dated some, well, they're not my friend anymore, but they dated someone in my past and they felt like because this person was in my past, it gave them a right to start dating them and make them a part of their present and future. Now, they thought it was all fine and dandy until they found out that I was still communicating with this person. And they came at me trying to check me over some shit. Like, why are you still talking to him? Like, we're dating now. And I'm like, you should have thought about that when you started dating someone Period. in my past. Like, I'm still... Go, I still can have that communication with this person. Like... People right. still have communication and people are still linked to people in their past. So you should, as a friend, you should have thought about that. Even though this is Pierre's ex or whatever, he still may come by for a drive-by or, you know, I still... They might still be and, friends. They, you don't and, know the context yeah. of how they got along. You don't know why they stopped talking. You don't know if they... That could have been... They could have been like, you know what? We really is perfect for each other, but the timing ain't right yeah, this shit. Yeah. It, you, don't, you don't know what the intricacies of that relationship yeah. were. So that is stuff that you have to think about when you bringing somebody into your life. And Didi, I don't think your friend did that. Mm -hmm. Your friend didn't really think that through because if she did, that... I do think you reach a certain level of maturity where it's like, yeah, it's not technically wrong for me to talk to him because they never fucked around. They never did this. But it's also like, are you prepared for what the that is going to do with the dynamic of, of y'all's friendship and y'all's relationship? Because what if she have a change of heart? I, I remember how this nigga used to talk to me. Like, damn, I was tripping. Now I want to fuck him. He did holler at me first. Right. He did holler at me first. This is a weird situation. Didi, no. Didi, I hope you're not like that. Didi, I hope you're not like one of them girls. I hope Didi don't pull a I had him first, but I ain't saying do all that nonsense. But but I do think I think you should be looking at your friend and at that nigga a little sideways. And I think the best course forward is to actually just keep it tight lipped. Find another friend that you can vent to about the situation if you need to. Don't bring that shit to your friend and him. Let them let them pretend like they in motherfucking La La Land. And when that ship sink. You and your you and your friend could get right back, cause you already know what it is. Don't don't make it no worse than what it is. Yeah, Didi, I think that you got a problem. And with that, thank y'all so much for listening to another episode of Purse First. Now that we have the freaky boys here, oh yeah, where should the people find y'all? Um, you can find me on Twitter at tt guided, on Instagram at tt underscore got underscore it, and um. 
that's the only two things that I really use. You can find me on Jack, Periscope, Grinder, Christian Mingo. <laughs> and Pierre, tell the people where they can find us. Um, you can find us everywhere at Purse First Show. Make sure you send in them motherfucking ass last questions so we can help you out like we just helped Dee out. That's PurseFirstShow at gmail.com. And make sure you give us a five-star rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help folks find the show. Thank y'all so much for listening. We'll holla. Season one of Purse First was supported by Red Bull and Critical Minded, an initiative to invest in cultural critics of color, co-founded by the Nathan Cummings Foundation and the Ford Foundation.